is. Maybe some of you are, you came into the church this morning, into the building, and you thought, oh, it's really bare. Like, I think we need a little more, you know, decorations or maybe some more new paint. Uh, that's what we really need. And that would just make this place, you know, so it would make it brighter, yes, but that isn't really what we need. Of course, we would like that. Some of you who work on the music teams or volunteer uh, at the sound booth, you're probably saying, we need like a mic that doesn't keep falling, right? Maybe actually everyone, there's always, we're on the edge of our seats every Sunday, right? Like what's going to fail this week? We need better technology maybe, right? That's what we really need. So I get that and I would like that too, but we don't really need that either. Maybe you're thinking, we just need, see? I didn't even move. Like there's nothing I did. That was all this. Um, maybe you think we need, we just need some more people. You know, like there's, there's large churches out there. We need like lots and lots of people. That, that's, that, would be, that would just make our church so much better, right? And yeah, of course I would like that too, but we don't, we don't need more people. Maybe, well, maybe not more people, but more children. That would be like, because there's, you know, some ages where there aren't very many kids, or maybe there's a grade where there are no children. We, we need more children, right? So we need more families. No, we don't really need... More to, we love to have more families and more children and more single people and just more people, but we don't really need that either. What is it that you think that we really need? Well, we just watched a video that you've seen before, probably, on the Holy Spirit. And this really... Is it when I step on that cord, maybe? No? Anyways, um, we need the Holy Spirit. And we can, we can be very religious. Uh, we can attend church. We can volunteer, do all sorts of things. Uh, but it's not that we need more volunteers. It's not that we need more programs or better seats or, or whatever. We need God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. We need more of God, right? The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. We don't fully comprehend that, but we need more of God. We need more of his empowering presence in our midst here. We need the Holy Spirit. That's really what we need. And so, uh, for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And today, uh, we, it's uh, called Open to the Spirit, and we'll talk about uh, how it all starts with Jesus. And next week, Open to the Spirit, uh, what are you afraid of? And um, I know that it, it can make us feel nervous, because you know why? When, when we invite the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit moves, because... Um, the Holy Spirit can move in thousands and thousands of ways and unpredictable ways that we never expect. I remember um, I went to a concert, a U2 concert in Tokyo many years ago, and they were singing the song uh, Mysterious Waves. She, she moves in mysterious ways, and I don't know what the original intent of the song was, but I'm thinking like the Holy Spirit, right? Moves in mysterious ways. And um, they had uh, geisha dancers dressed in the full geisha, kind of moving, you know, mysteriously. I thought it's kind of. So when the Holy Spirit comes, we never know what is going to happen. And that freaks us out, and sometimes we're afraid of that. Do you know why? Because we're all control freaks. And we like to be in control. And we like to know what's going to happen and why it's happening. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, God, and God might work in a mysterious way that we don't understand or we haven't experienced before. But I want to encourage us just to be open. Can we be open to the Spirit um, this year? You have sermon notes. Uh, some of you do. If you'd like sermon notes, we would love to hand them out to you. And um, if you have a Bible, that would be great. Although today it's a little bit different. We're not looking at one specific passage, so we'll um, be using your Bible skills today. Where do you, you know, use, how fast can you look up at the table of contents to get to the next? We've been jumping around a little bit. So, you, 
to have the sermon notes in front of you, uh, but the verses will be up there as well. This is our biggest um, need. You know, Wes, I didn't know you were going to share that testimony. That was, that was awesome. Thanks for sharing. And um, you mentioned, you know, what if the Holy Spirit weren't here? Would the sermons be any different or something like that, right? And and do you ever wonder that? You know, like, sometimes I have felt that, to be honest. Like, what? why would I, like, what's the point of sharing my faith? Like, what is it, you know, that is so great about this good news? Like, what, why would I want people to have my life? Like, why would I want them, do you know what I mean? Do you ever wonder that? And it's in those times when I feel far from God. But when I'm close to God, when the Spirit is moving and speaking, it's so exciting. I think, I want everyone to have this. And so... We just need more of, um, this is what we need. We need more of the Holy Spirit with Jesus. You know, there's a lot written about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are basically stories about who Jesus is. And then after, after that, the Acts. Some people call it Acts of the Apostles. Some people call it Acts of the Holy Spirit. And how the early church just took these teachings of Jesus and ran with it and, and did all these amazing things. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Gospels. But you know there's other Gospels that didn't make it into um, into the scripture, and uh, in one of these other gospels um, that didn't make the cut, there's a story of, uh, of Jesus as a young child, and he's making um, mud birds, you know, from a mud puddle, and then he wanted to impress his friends and do some razzle-dazzle, so he waved his hands, and these birds flew away. It was pretty amazing, magical, right? But, I mean, that story um, didn't make it uh, into our scriptures. didn't make the cut because we know... Jesus is fully human, and he's fully God. And the, the scriptures, the life of Jesus shows his humanity. And that's confusing. How can he be fully, you know, we don't get that either. We just know that this is, this is what Christianity is. He's fully God and fully human. So when he's fully human, it means he's, he's human. So he had to learn things like, yeah, he knows, God knows everything. But as a human, when he became, we took on flesh and bones and everything else and became like a little baby, as a human, he had to learn, like, how to crawl. Of course, he already knows that. He's God, right? But he had to learn, as a human being, how to do math, how to hold a hammer, and how to not to hit his thumb all the time. He, he had to learn things as a human. As God, he's perfect and knows everything, but he set that aside and took on humanity, became just like one of us. And so his story is, is part of our story. He's he was a perfect human. He was the human of all humans. And what he did, everything that he accomplished, he did pretty cool things, right? You can imagine, remember some of the stories, the miracles, and the people just loved him, and crowds followed around him. But as we read the Bible, biblical. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to be biblical about this. So we're going to be very biblical. Scriptures show us that at all Jesus' life and, and everything else in between, it was through the power of the Spirit, that Jesus, as a human, was able to do all of these things. He had set aside his divinity, right, to become a human being. And so he had to learn that. That's why that story about making mudbirds and having them you know, fly away like some magical scene didn't make it into our scriptures. Jesus was, took on humanity and needed to learn these things just like we did. There's, um, I know a lot of you like C.S. Lewis, like I do, and uh, he wrote and wrote a lot. He did not write only children's stories, but he wrote a letter once, and this letter says this. He's talking about Jesus and took on humanity. He said, Jesus, God could, had he pleased, 
have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves, the Stoic, the Stoic sort who lets no sigh escape him. Of his great humility, he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood in Gethsemane. He chose to be a human being with emotions and, and learn with parents, get our family growing up. And so Jesus really is going to start. So open your notes and open your Bibles if you have them ready. What is Jesus' relation to the Holy Spirit? Basically, as you can see in your notes, every major event of Jesus' life. It's infused, it's been empowered, there's some relationship, something happening with the Holy Spirit. Um, hey, Lucas, I think there are controls right there. Can you toss it up to me? Yeah, throw it. Excellent. That was the choreographed part of my show. Good throw, Lucas. Okay, it all starts with Jesus. For example, right at the very beginning, Jesus' baptism. It was talked about in the video earlier. Yeah, just before that. Okay, he knew, he knew a lot about Jesus. And when he was preaching, when he was teaching and telling people, he said, he said, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And let me just highlight this here. You know okay, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. All these things that Jesus did. You heard about all these things in, in Galilee and everywhere else. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Everything that Jesus did, he did with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, yes. Jesus is God, yes. But in his humanity, he relied on the Holy Spirit's power to do all this stuff. Peter knew that very well, and he explained that to his people. Okay, now let's jump ahead, jump back, fall back uh, to Jesus' baptism. At the baptism of Jesus, you remember what happened? It was mentioned in the video. Here's what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptized, I always think it's funny too. Jesus, what, baptized? Like, you really need to be baptized? It's, it's very interesting, I thought, but it's also... Um, how we follow him, and we, we, we try to imitate him, we do as best as we can, so we are also baptized, but for a different reason than Jesus was. But he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw what? The Spirit of God. There's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And from this point on, Jesus is known as the Son, and the Father, his the Abba-Father relationship with God the Father. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we're going to jump through a lot of, the, a lot of these um, verses, a lot of these major events in Jesus' life. You probably know them already. So basically I'm just reminding you of how central the Holy Spirit was to Jesus' life. At Jesus, the temptations. Jesus, look at the highlighted parts, full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, he left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Why does Jesus need to be full of the Holy Spirit? Like He's God, right? Because in his humanity, he was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. This is how he overcame these fantastic, they were fantastic because they were brilliant, temptations from the enemy, because he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' first sermon, 
Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Do you know this first sermon? He said, he actually opens up the scroll from Isaiah, and he's quoting from Isaiah, but he, he says, this is about me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's more in your notes. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. At every major event and everything in between, Jesus is resting and relying on the Holy Spirit. When he was driving out demons, right? Remember, he did those are really fantastic stories. In Matthew, he says, Jesus says, but if it is by the Spirit of God, this is how I do these things, that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He healed the sick. Again, in Luke chapter 5, it says, one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And this is what it says. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Also mentioned in the video, that was a great video. We could watch it over and over again and learn new things. At his crucifixion, how much more then, Hebrews chapter 9 says, will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit, okay, this is how, how the crucifixion happened, through the eternal spirit, Jesus offered himself, unblemished to God. How much more then uh, will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God and even the resurrection? Again, also mentioned in the video, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. How was Jesus, how did this resurrection, through the Holy Spirit, this is how it happened. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. And that spirit is living in you. He raised he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit in you. Can you see how important this is to Jesus and to his uh, the Holy Spirit was part of his ministry, part of his entire life? But there's more. I kind of give you a hint. I thought that was a blank screen, so just close your eyes and don't see that. There's more. It's like uh, one of those infomercials. Wait, there's more. It's, I know that sounds amazing, but it gets even better. And here's a trick question for you, kind of a trick question. Um, when did God unleash his spirit in this world? Don't answer it because it's a trick question. The trick question is you're probably thinking, oh, it's Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2, that's when the spirit came down. People started speaking in different languages and different tongues, and like thousands of people became believers. And then after that point, the, his... his um, the apostles did all sorts of crazy and wonderful things. Luke wrote Acts, right? Luke also wrote Luke. So you'd think Luke was, knows what he's talking about. He put these two together. But if you go back to the beginning, even before Jesus was born, right at the very beginning of Jesus' life, lots of people were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if Luke is saying it wasn't just the Pentecost. Yes, that was the huge unleashing, but the Holy Spirit began to be unleashed even at the beginning of Jesus' life. Look at Elizabeth. I'm going to have to... This one would be a good time to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, because you're going to stay in Luke chapter 1 for a little bit. I know a lot of this is not new to you. This isn't one of those sermons where I'm teaching you lots of brand new stuff. Maybe none of my sermons are. I learn new stuff, and then I think it's new, and then I... I like to teach, but here's Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth, chapter 1, uh, verse 15. Do you remember who Elizabeth was? Wasn't Jesus' mother, right? Mother of John the Baptist. It says, and it says, he'll go on, he's talking about John the Baptist, he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and power 
of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make people to make ready a people before the Lord. And then again, uh, verse, um, well, that was 17. And then also verse 15, um, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at that, verse 15, even before he's born. How do you be filled with the Holy Spirit, like, before you're born? John the Baptist was. Was it something he did? Like, how can you, how can you make yourself be filled with it? Well, if John the Baptist, he was like, he wasn't even born yet. God does this. God fills him with the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is before Pentecost, even before he was born. Look at Mary. In verse, uh, further on in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel said to Mary, right? Remember all these angels in the Christmas story? The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So Elizabeth, John the Baptist, here's Mary, Verse 41, it's kind of related to Elizabeth too, but Mary you know, visits Elizabeth. This is such a fun story, right? Elizabeth um, is pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary is pregnant with, with Jesus. And Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. I don't know what the greeting would have been. Shalom, you know, hello, how's it going? Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and then the baby in her womb leaped. Right? It's great. We learn so much now about babies, and well, they can listen to music and hear your voices right even before they're born. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at all these people in just this beginning of Jesus' life that are being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we've got Elizabeth, we've got Mary. Remember Zechariah? Remember his story? Who was Zechariah? Chapter uh, 1, verse 67. John the Baptist's father, right? His father Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 67, was what? You can guess. Filled with what? The Holy Spirit. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, and then he went on about prophesying about this birth. Again, John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was born, at the end of Luke chapter 1, verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit. If you have uh, an NIV and probably other versions too, there's a footnote right there, because spirit is a small s, and you know, there's a small s and a capital S. We all have you know, spirits, and there's the Holy Spirit. This one, uh, uh, in the original languages, we don't know if it was like capitalized or not capitalized because they just did one run-on sentence with no punctuation or anything. But this could be capital S, like filled Holy Spirit, or grew in small spirit. They're kind of the same. Like when God's Spirit lives in you, then, then there's this intertwining anyway. So that's what the footnote is referring to. John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's more. See, we're not even, we haven't got to like, Jesus isn't even that old yet. Simeon, at the dedication of the temple, Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 27. Jesus was presented at the temple, and there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and guess what? The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he didn't, that's how he knew, by the Holy Spirit told him this, revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He didn't open up one of the scrolls and and take this promise, okay, that means I'm going to see them. No, the Holy Spirit was on him, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him, before Pentecost even, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that before he dies, he will see the Lord's Messiah. He was moved by the Spirit, verse 27, went into the temple courts. The parents brought in Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, and then Simeon praised God in his arms. So there's Elizabeth, Mary, Zechariah, John the Baptist, Simeon. When... Was the Holy Spirit unleashed? 
Yes, the Pentecost is what we celebrate, where the Spirit is given to all people, sons and daughters and young people and old people and, and women and children and men and everyone can receive the Holy Spirit and be empowered by God to do what he's called you to do. But even before that, even before they, we saw in, in, in the video, right, from the very beginning of creation, the Ruach, the wind, everything. And then here we see in Jesus' story, even Elizabeth, Mary, Zechariah, John the Baptist, and Simeon are filled with the Spirit to do what Jesus has asked him, to do what God has called them and prepared for them to do. So, this is my question uh, for you. Are you open to the Spirit? That's all. It's a simple question, just yes or no. That's all I want from you. I just want you to be open. Some of you are very open. Some of you are thinking, oh, man, maybe they're too open. Some of you are open. Some of you are closed. Can you at least just be open to the Spirit, to the fact that God may speak to you. God may empower you. God may call you to do something that only you can do because he's empowering you to do that. Can you be open to the Spirit? Are you open to the Spirit? You know, depending on your church background or depending on how your journey, that how, how you got here, um, you may not be very open. You may be very afraid. You may be uh, cautious. You might be thinking, you know, they're crazy. Like, that, that is, I don't get that. But can you at least be open? Open to the, the possibility that the Spirit might be moving mysteriously in our congregation and within you and in someone beside you or someone. Can you at least be open? That's all I'm asking. Are you open to the Spirit? There's a, some homework that I've assigned to you, and it's from Francis Chan's book. I know many of you have probably heard of it or read The Forgotten God. It's great stuff. If you have it on your shelves, take it, read it again. It's always good to reread books, especially this one. But he lists all these verses in the Bible where it talks about the Holy Spirit and how you can see it in your notes at the end. Like, this is what it would look like this is what, how the script, we have to be very biblical, right? Because this is what the Bible says a, a believer filled with the Spirit would look like. And do you know what a Christian is? A Christian is someone who has the Holy Spirit. You're, we've been born again. We've been born spiritually. So if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you're a Christian. That, that's, what, that's what it means. So you describe, just go through some of these verses. Just choose, choose a couple if you don't want to do them, or do them all. And then just say, what, what is the Bible saying? Okay, not what I'm saying or what I think or what my experience or my upbringing has told me. What is the Bible saying? Uh, it would look like for someone to be moved and filled and be open to the Spirit. Francis Chan also says, just to imagine, like, for, put, put everything aside, put your own experiences aside, put whatever, and just open the Bible. He says, if you were to read the Old, Old Testament too and the New Testament, just read it and notice how prevalent the Holy Spirit is and how he moves and everything that's happening. He says, if you just had the Bible only, like if you're on a deserted island, all you had was the Bible, you would probably have some sort of expectation of what it would look like to live in a community of people who are filled with the Spirit, just coming from the Bible. And sometimes our experiences don't reflect that. Why would that be? Some of us are closed to the Spirit. Some of us have had bad experiences, and I get that. Like someone, some of you, someone has come to you and said, though God told me this. And you're like, oh, that's really, hmm. And it hurt. And maybe it's damaged some relations. You're like, so you've closed yourself off because, I mean, who's going to say no to God, right? I mean, that's coming from God. It's it's kind of a little bit abusive, right, to say, God told me that, you know, you need to quit your job and move to, like, Nunavut or whatever. Well, I guess if I don't do it, I'm disobeying God. So so I understand 
There may have been some bad experiences, but are you, are you closed to the Holy Spirit now because of that? Can you be open to the Spirit? And this is why I need you to be open to the Spirit. There's a blank in your notes. What does it say? Why do I need to be open to the Spirit? So that's you. Why do you need to be open to the Spirit? Because, dot, 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 in the blank. I need you to be open to the Spirit. Because I need that from you. I need you to be open to the Spirit. Look, look beside you and in front of you and around you. Those people need you to be open to the Spirit. Not because, you know, I need people to volunteer. Ooh, great if I didn't have to do all this work. Like, not at all. Again, we don't need volunteers. We need people filled with the Holy Spirit, but we need you because there are things that I, like, I'm not, I can't see myself. I deceive myself, so I need someone to speak into my life. There are things I just can't do. I'm helpless. I need you filled with the Spirit and the gifts that God has given you to serve me in the same way that I serve you. You need the people around you to be open to the Spirit. And they need you to be open to the Spirit because all these gifts, all these things that you might think are weird, maybe, these things that come from the Spirit are given to us as a church because why? to encourage other people, to edify the church. They're not given to me for me. So if I have the gift of teaching, it's not like for me, I'm not going to stand in front of the mirror and teach myself after I've studied all week. Yeah, good for me. And then I also, you know, maybe my secondary gift is the gift of, you know, way to preach to yourself. It's not for me. None of that stuff is for you. It's for others around you. And so when you aren't open to the Spirit and when you aren't using what God has given you or called you to do, people suffer because what you've been given, how God is leading you, is for other people around you. We need each other. I really need you to be open to the Spirit. I need you to speak into my life. I need you to have the gifts that God has given you to serve me because I can't do that myself. And vice versa. We need each other. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to know, how, what is God saying to me? You know, sometimes um, you might get a, someone's name, like, Oh, maybe I should call that person. Oh, no, that's just my thoughts. You'll forget it, so you ignore it. But when you do act on it, you'll find out, oh, man, that was, that was from God, and that person needed my encouragement. I remember one morning, you know, I'm not always confident when I'm up here, as you know, as you don't know. If you don't know, then you then know that. It's hard sometimes for me to, to, be, to be speaking and preaching, so I was really nervous, and I thought, I'm not ready. I was downstairs in my office, and, and then uh, one of the board members walked past, and then he turned around and came back in. He's like, hey, can I pray for you? And I was like, oh, yes, thank you. And it just made a big difference. But he probably felt a nudging of the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe Joel would like, so, and then, you know, he didn't ignore that. And you, you follow through with that. I need people like that. You need people like that. What is it that you need? God is giving it to you, probably through the people around you. When Paul talks about these spiritual gifts, he says each one, each one, they're not some or a few, each one. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Okay, so everyone, each one of you, you're given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? Not for yourself, right? Not so you can preach to yourself or heal yourself or like encourage yourself. For the common good. For each other. For those people around you. If you have a teaching gift, it's so you can teach others. 
If you have a gift of encouragement, it's to encourage others. If you have a gift of, of art or artistic ability, it's to, for others. It's not for yourself. We need you to be open to the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm asking. Will you be open to the Holy Spirit? Next week, I know that there's some fears that might go along with this. We'll talk about that. What are you afraid of? Let's talk about that next week. And I totally get that because um, I'm right there with you. I used to be uh, afraid, so I can relate some of my experiences as well. But you're probably thinking, you know, this is, um, I know why you're doing this, you know, Pastor Joel, because you want us to sign up for the Holy Spirit encounter. Uh, You're right. (laughs) That is why I'm doing this. And it's not a hidden agenda. It's right there in your notes. The Holy Spirit Encounter is coming up, 18th, 19th, and 20th, and I really do want you to sign up because we need each other to be open to the Spirit. I need you. You need me. The people beside you need, need you. You need them. If you have time, would you please consider coming to the Holy Spirit Encounter? God isn't a God who forces you. You realize that, right? Like he gives you a choice and and he loves you, and you can respond if you want, or you can ignore it. You don't have to, right? I mean, sometimes he might force his will, like maybe cause you to become sick in the hospital so you actually like slow down, and then you can actually have some time for God to speak to you because you've just been so busy. Sometimes that happens. I've heard some of you say that. I think, you know, this is God slowing me down, and I should have, you know, maybe rested a little bit earlier or listened to him earlier. But generally speaking, he's not going to force you. Neither are we. So don't be afraid to come to the Holy Spirit encounter because we're going to force you to do something that makes you uncomfortable. We will never do that. We invite, and as far as you can go, as, as far as you can go, then just respond according to how you feel comfortable. We're not going to force you to do anything because God doesn't do that. Would you consider, or would you at least pray? I know some people say, no, I'm not even going to pray. Answer no, or it's yes, or whatever. So we just pray. Would you be willing to come to the Holy Spirit encounter. This is, we aren't teaching this. This is our denomination puts this on, so it's our larger family. And they go to as many churches as they can. We're not leading it. We're not teaching it. But it's our Christian Missionary Alliance, our district. They are coming. Put this on for free. So we're offering it for free, even though it comes with meals, two lunches, and snacks. It, we're doing this for ourselves. Come and learn. You will learn um, more about the Holy Spirit. You'll learn more about how Jesus works through the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be given some time to practice and to learn and to pray and to listen to God. And sometimes we think we're open to the Spirit, and maybe we are, but there are some blockages. Biblically, scriptures tell us what some of these blockages are. So let's remove some of those. It's only for for our good, for the common good. Yes, that is not a hidden agenda. I really do want you to sign up to come to Holy Spirit Encounter. I know it's, it's a Friday night and all day Saturday and Sunday afternoon. That's a big commitment. I get that. So if you can't come, I understand. But if you can't at all, if you can arrange babysitting, if you can take turns, just, just come. It's free. 18th, 19th, 20th. You can sign up right there at the Welcome Center, at the lobby, or online. Um, we need you to be able to, We need each other. We don't need more people. We just need what we have here already. We need everyone to be filled with the Spirit. We don't need... Um, better musicians. I know some of our own musicians are, you know, they're kind of listening. Oh, is there any good singers out there? And they're the ones that, but no, you guys are, you guys are great. Sure, we great to have more singers, but we don't need that. We don't even need singing. We hardly need anything, but if we have the Holy Spirit, that's all we need. I hope you understand that. So please, 
um, understand is what we need. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing a song called Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 